Are you a creative? I think you are. And that's why you should join my circle community, the Creative Study Lounge. Listen, we all know how social media is right now with all the lying, the bots, the ads, the shadow banning, your posts not getting seen, the requests from people you don't know, the strange activities. Social media is a mess right now. So that's why I decided to create a community just for creatives where we can get down and talk about writing, video games, art, development, things in popular media, whatever we want, or just some nonsense. There's a place for it all. It's at the Creative Study Lounge. And while you're there, you can get the merch, send me questions, comments, ideas, and you can generally support the podcast. Check the links in the description. We'll be adding more as time goes along, but hey, it's a good thing. CreativeStudyLounge.com or check the links in the description. Once again, that's CreativeStudyLounge.com or check the links in the description. And you won't have to listen to this dumb advertisement. Now let's get on with the program. Pro wrestling is real. Do not argue with me. Do not adjust your set. Do not try to change the channel. Do not deny it. Do not lie to yourself. Pro wrestling is one of the realest things out there, and we're going to talk about it today. And before you get all up in a tizzy and before you get all silly on me, listen, I don't know who you think I am, but I am a creator. And I'm talking about pro wrestling today and how real it is, just because of some information that came by and this crazy landscape that we're in that is bringing this to the forefront. Now, you can jump in the comments all you'd like and speak about the scripted nature of it, the predetermined outcomes, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, if you're, if you're doing that, then you really don't know who I am and you need to listen to this further. If you already know who I am and you're listening, you know you're about to be in for some goodness. But either way, welcome to Creativity Threads Live. My name is Mr. Benja. I am your host for this podcast, this streaming. I don't even want to call it a news show because we don't do news like that. I don't want to call it a variety show because, well, we don't do variety like that. I'm not even sure I want to call it a show, but I appear here most nights of the week to talk to you about how creativity makes its way through the different forms of life and how I think about it and how you think about it, because I've been getting down on threads, talking some information here and there, talking to the people online. And it's been an interesting discussion about what creativity is and how it affects us. So as you know, if you've been listening, I think creativity is one of the fundamental aspects of human life or, or life in general. And in some regards, creativity is equivalent to creation. You're it, and that's equivalent to life. We're out here trying to create things and the better we can create, the better we can extend our lives. Um, we express ourselves through our creativity and with the things that we bring into the world. So that's the basic synopsis behind the show. Appreciate all of you joining me. Um, really quick, be sure to subscribe on Apple and all that jazz. And we'll get to that kind of stuff later on. But for right now, let's just jump into it because I don't like waiting around too long with these things. Shout out to all the people in the chat who've come through, whether tonight or some other night. But check this out. There's this news report that just came by from the New York Times. And I'll just read it. It's, um, you probably heard about this or maybe not, but Netflix to stream WWE's Raw in $5 billion deal. 
The weekly program will move to Netflix in 2025 as part of a 10-year agreement, a big leap into live events for the streaming platform. Now, for those of you who don't know, WWE Raw is one of the, if not the biggest wrestling show that comes on uh, television. It started way back in God knows when, uh, started kicking ass in the cable TV ratings, has been consistently a top, top view, a top draw for the, for, for any entertainment. I was about to say sports entertainment, but sports, entertainment, drama, whatever. It's just a huge draw for cable and media in general. So moving to Netflix is a big deal for its own reason. And we're going to get into and talk about the money behind it and all that on show versus business. That's another podcast I run. I'm not here to talk too much about the business money behind it and what's going on with that. I just want to give you a little background for this podcast, because here we're going to talk about the creativity that sparks from something like this and, and why it's worth respecting maybe over a lot of things that you currently respect, why it deserves respect. So first off, wrestling is a weird type of fantasy show that's put on. Now, long ago, people used to argue, is it real? Is it fake? And this was almost a way of, this was almost a way of having this Santa Claus story out there for kids who are really into it, who could find a way to get into some type of competitive drama. They didn't, maybe they didn't watch football or didn't understand all the rules of basketball, or maybe they thought baseball was boring. Well, you could get your kids into watching pro wrestling. That was kind of the story that was always going around. And a lot of times they never really called it a sport. They usually called it sports entertainment or something along that line. Not the point but I just have to set this stage. So, gosh, I don't even know how, how, I, wanna, how I wanna begin this because there's so much that, that goes on in wrestling. There's so much that's, if, if you're just looking from the sideline and you see two, you know, pro- possibly steroided out individuals, athletically built, who worked very hard to make whatever look they're doing, do what it does, if you're just watching randomly and you see these two people fighting on stage, you're like, it looks fake. It's stupid. The storylines are dumb, whatever. I'm not about this life. And you turn the channel. All right. Let me put this to you. Then. Let me just drop some things. on you. First of all, these people, these athletes, and yes, I do call them athletes. They're very physically fit and they do a lot of physical work. They operate pretty much all year round. WWE, at least, runs 320 events per year. That's almost, that's that's getting close to every night of the week, running an event. They do house shows, uh, dark shows, and they do your, obviously, televised shows. And a lot of these presentations are, are big events, and they travel around the year. They go overseas. And these athletes are doing this all the time. They're on on their stage, I was about to say on stage, They're in the ring, under the lights, performing all the time. So first of all, if you just want to look at it at a physical level, yes, it's a very physical sport. It's a very active kind of thing. Um, But that's not what's terribly, terribly exciting about it. I got into it when I was little and was watching, you know, the big stars, the Hulk Hogan's, the Coco Bewares, the Andre the Giant's. 
Hillbilly Jim, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Superfly Jimmy Snooker, Ricky the Steamboat Dragon. I don't know why he was called Ricky. The, I mean, the Steamboat. I don't know how many, why was he a Steamboat and a Dragon? Anyway, all these characters connected to me in a very cartoonish kind of way. And I think this is what started setting the seeds in my mind for how to be creative and how to come up with these, a lot of ideas and these fanciful stories, a lot of competition going on. They had, they had toys, they had cartoons, they had merchandise with the shirts and the lunch boxes, shoes, underwear. It was big business. And even as a kid, I kind of saw this. And then at some point I got to an age where I was like, Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this, is this real? Is this real? And I started to step back from it a little bit. And I was like, okay, this, I don't know. I don't know if I should be watching this. This seems silly, nonsensical, whatever. And to be fair, you know, there's, it, it is like that. But then I saw my nephews and nieces and younger cousins get into it. And I saw them getting enthralled by the same entertainment. I was like, huh, interesting. The storylines were, some were the same, some were different, some evolved, but it kind of amazed me how they could keep this, this drama going on for so long with basically just a square ring, a square ring and usually two people and a referee. And you'd have your management going on, you'd have your stories. And then I started realizing something that, hey, wait a minute, some of these stories are talking about or referencing popular culture. Where it was like Hulk Hogan versus Nikolai Volkov, you know, where you had America versus the Russians. And it was this big whole drama. And I was like, oh man, this is crazy. And then Iran got into the mix and all that. And all of a sudden you had the Iron Sheik come out and it was like, oh crap, the Iron Sheik. And it was a whole thing there. And then, you know, people got a little more street, a little more grunge. And you had characters, you know, you had characters like a junkyard dog come out. It was like, okay, this guy represents the black community, I guess. Comes from a, a dang junkyard, all right. But it was cool, we liked him. You, you know, everybody liked the junkyard dog. And all these characters I started realizing were crafted, not just, they didn't just come about, they were crafted into different aspects of society. And it was kind of a way of watching things play out in the real world. It was kind of this way of just fantasizing elements of, of life. You could make political commentary, social commentary, financial commentary. Shout out to Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man. It was a whole production and a whole thing. And watching my nieces and nephews get into it, I was like, huh, this is very interesting. And then I started to hit like this, the stage where I realized, okay, they're doing something very creative here. Let me, let me just say that, first of all, the athletics of it are one thing where you've got these people doing this all the time. That's, that's pretty obvious. Illicit substances, helping that out or not, that's up to you. But scripted entertainment, once you got into understanding how they, how they script these things and they continue these storylines, and they're trying to get engagement from the audience and the people and the crowd, it becomes an art form. And it really got me interested. I was like, holy crap, this thing is genius. What's gonna happen here? And like any good story, it was always about, okay, 
What's going to happen next? Or who's this character? What are they about? What's their background? Why would they do that? And you start asking all these questions. You start asking why things are happening, who's doing what to who, and it becomes this whole soap opera kind of fantasy, right? But I was kind of amazed at how well it was constructed, just in terms of an entertainment aspect and a, a machine. As I said, I'd see this stuff on TV, then I'd go to the mall and see all the, the shirts and the toys, et cetera, the cartoons. And you'd see these characters show up in, quote unquote, real life. Like you'd have Hulk Hogan or Randy Macho Man Savage show up on a talk show and start yelling at one of the talk show hosts. And it was, it was brilliant. So forget whether I, you know, you still got grown, grown men sitting around talking about, oh, it's not real. Why would you even watch that? To me, that is the bonehead statement to make. It's not real. Why would you watch it? Because if you're watching it because you're wondering if it's real or not, you're, you're not even part of the conversation. Oh, no, it's hella real, Paul W. Jr. It's real, baby. Let me tell you. When I was, um, as I said, I, I was in college, right? And I started looking at the deeper, deeper levels of this whole wrestling thing. I started figuring out how they were, how they were planning things. I was like, wait a minute. Well, you've got these people coming out every night. What, what happens if somebody gets hurt? And then they would change the story sometimes on the fly as the match was going on. Sometimes they would change the story between matches. And I'm thinking, this is live and they're doing this. This is kind of awesome. This is brilliant. And I started seeing a little more behind the scenes. Like, well, wait a minute. This character is supposed to be in a movie. How is he? Oh, okay. I understand he got suspended. But during his suspension, all of a sudden a movie comes out and he's out there doing the movie. And I started connecting this whole machine, right? I mean, from... Yeah, and I already talked about the athleticism before, but just the whole machine. So I started looking at this, the machine aspect of it, just behind the whole production. And me and my old roommate, Theo, we were, we were sitting around watching wrestling because school was stressful and we were college roommates. And wrestling was the fun thing that we would come home and watch and just be able to separate from the rest of the nonsense. And... Wrestling was great for that. We would just get around the TV and like, all right, what they gonna do tonight? What they gonna do tonight? Who's coming out? Who's, oh, NWO, oh, oh baby, here it is. It was just crazy. So we would be sitting around and watching this. And one night we were both sitting down watching. And after the show went to commercial, it said, ladies and gentlemen, Thursday Night Thunders coming to Tallahassee, Florida, Leon County Civic Center, get your tickets now. And they did the whole, Thing where they get you hyped up and like, wait a minute, wow, Tallahassee, that's the city we're in. Leon County, that's the county we're in. The Civic Center, that's down Monroe Street. And, you know, we kind of like laughed at it. What if we went and we laughed? Ha ha ha. Whatever, man. We, we're college students. We're serious. We got things to study. He's in engineering. I'm in computer information systems. We're like, all right, man, we, we got stuff to do. We can't go, go to some wrestling match. And then, you know, the guy kept talking. He's like, tickets on sale tomorrow. And I started thinking, tomorrow? Huh. <laughs> so I was like, whatever. You know, you're just kind of thinking, whatever. I go in the kitchen, wash some dishes. Theo goes and does whatever he's doing. And it's kind of like, hey, you know what? We should go out there 
and see if anybody's lining up at the Civic Center. He's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm hungry too, so we might as well get something to eat while we're out. Yeah, yeah, let's let's go get something to eat and we'll see who's over at the Civic Center, right? So I'm like, all right, let's go do this. Let's, let's go see who's going to be out there watching, you know, who's going to be out there, if anybody. So we went and grabbed some Subway, right? I got my uh, six-foot chicken breast sub with... Uh, with mayonnaise, extra extra pickles, black olives, oil and vinegar, salt and pepper, oregano. Pretty nice. I was I was gonna have a good little meal, go home. So when we drove by the Civic Center, though, we saw people starting to camp out. In fact, I saw a pickup truck back up to the loading area or the the big veranda where they have out in front where they the, the ticket ticket office pickup truck like backs in onto the curb and this dude starts pulling out some lawn chairs a cooler and some blankets and him and his friends are all just unloading the back of this pickup truck and they start setting up camp at the ticket office and i'm thinking huh they're about to get hype and watch thursday night thunder or get tickets for thursday night thunder i was this got me even more hype. So, so we drove home, but we're still not taking it too seriously. And then on the way, leaving the Civic Center, I got my subway in hand. And, you know, we're all ready to go home and just eat and chill and whatever and get ready for school tomorrow. I said, hey, listen, um, <laughs> you know, I could drop you off <laughs> and, and you could get a place in line. <laughs> And I could go get whatever we need from home and we could camp out too. And it was kind of like, yes, let's do this. So I forgot who was driving and who got dropped off who, but one of us stayed there. One of us went home and we ended up, yep, it was Thursday night, Thunder Peak. Yeah, me and Theo ended up camping out basically to watch, uh, to watch Thursday night Thunder. Because, you know, when you see wrestling on TV, you're like, okay. And then you see all the people up front just having the best time of their life. Just going nuts. Just going bonkers. And the wrestlers are right there with you. So we were like, you, we got to do this. We've got to do this. So, so we camp out overnight. I don't, I, don't, I don't care what was happening at school the next day. I totally forgot. I don't care. It wasn't that memorable. This is one of those moments in life where they say, hey, you don't want to have any regrets. I didn't want to regret missing Thursday Night Thunder, so I went. So, man, I'm at a, we're camping out, we're doing our thing. People are there. They brought an extension cord and a TV, and some dude had a VCR. They were watching old tapes of old events, and we were just talking about wrestling. And I'm like, yo, this stuff goes deep. This is deep. And the guy was saying, yeah, he appeared at a dark, he appeared at a house show at such and such and blah, blah, blah. And actually his cousin got involved and he's now a manager working for, and I'm like, wait, this is wild. How do you, how do you guys know all this? So I'm talking to these people, we camped out, looking around. Um, we definitely weren't properly camped. I had like my backpack and a couple magazines and a heavy jacket and all these people had like blankets and the cot rolled out and lawn chairs and you know it's like the men were camping out in the concrete in their sleeping bags and the wives would bring them you know hot cocoa and thermoses and 
you know, yelling at them to like, hey, make sure that you get enough tickets to do this and that and make sure that you're seated behind. And I'm, they were like planned out. I'm like, wow, okay. So anyway, fast forward. Fast forward, we get our tickets. Everything's good and gold. We're, we're three rows back because we didn't get there right at the beginning. But three rows back, you know, we get our tickets. We're hyped as hell. And, you know, these were like back in the day when they only gave out paper tickets. You lost your paper ticket out. God forbid. I don't know what would happen to you. But we locked these things up, man. We were good to go. Waited a while. Thursday Night Thunder came around. I had never seen the parking lot so full of energy at the Leon County Civic Center. They hold graduations there. They hold, you know, uh, escapades, ice escapades on there. They hold everything there. And I had never seen the parking lot this full of energy. I mean, I'd seen people there, but energy. People were getting out, they're high-fiving. You know, you hear, heard people, you know, yelling stuff out. This one dude was talking like, you know, he was Mr. Wonderful. Other dude had like a headband of, you know, Hulkamania and was just looking crazy and was playing out his Hulk role. I had never seen this type of energy before. And it was all good. You know, it didn't matter who you liked. There was respect there if you respected wrestling. So we get in there. We, we start walking up and I start noticing all the trucks. I start noticing like, you know, once in a while you'd see a car roll up and a wrestler would jump out and people would just go nuts. Like just an explosion. Yeah. Start yelling and like, what's going on over there? Oh, somebody just got out of a truck and, you know, they went to the backstage. I'm like, oh crap, is that the wrestlers? They're like, yeah, yeah, they came from such and such hotel. Once again, I didn't know. I didn't know. You know, so there's this whole pregame I didn't know about. It. And me and Theo were just unprepared. We're like, what the hell, man? How are we so unprepared for all of this? People know where their hotels are at. They're hanging out at restaurants. They're... It was big. So there's this one part of the Civic Center, right, where you walk up. And as you're going into the Civic Center, they have a loading dock and a I don't want to call it a backstage area, but there's this, this area that's kind of closed and concreted off. But if you walked up the side of the ramp, um, by the parking area, you could look, you know, you could look down and see people hanging out before they go backstage or into the dressing rooms and all that. Um, and there weren't too many people over there. So I was like, Hey, listen, I know we can go stand over there. Me and Theo were like, all right. So we go stand over there, you know, look over the ledge and you know, there wasn't really too much activity over there. Once in a while, you catch some crew members coming in and out. But Paul Orndorff came out with like a lawn chair and lawn chair and some snacks and just sat down and everybody started yelling at him. Like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm getting a tan. You're in the shade, fool. He's like, shut up. And it was this weird interaction of just this guy in a lawn chair laid down yelling at the audience. And I'm like, what is he doing? This is crazy. This is nuts. Shouldn't he be back? Shouldn't he be preparing his, his lines or his act or whatever? This was his act. This was beautiful. So he's just hanging out in the long chair, talking noise to people. And then it's like, at some point we're like, all right, whatever. He was messing with uh, some other wrestlers and some other management people. I didn't know walking in and out, but he was the only star out there, which was interesting. So he was getting his little shine. This is once again, part of the machine. I'm starting to, the, the levers are starting to flick in my head. I'm starting to understand the machine. Like, okay, he's a personality. He's out there talking to us. He's 
building up his persona. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, I get it. Kinda, maybe. So we go in, get our seats and everything. Night goes off. It's great. Raven's out there. Um, in fact, I don't know if you guys remember when Raven got yanked, one time that Raven got yanked out of his little corner perch when he would sit in the corner and just flop down by the turnbuckle and start his little monologue. One time he got yanked out by his hair. It may have happened more than once, but we were there when that happened and we, we lost it. We were just like, oh my God, what is this? But you know, the show really kind of kept going on and nobody, it, it, it didn't break. We're watching this thing, things are going nuts, it's going crazy. During commercial, Scott Steiner like went off on the crowd. Just started cursing at people, calling people bad names. And I was like, whoa, 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 what's going on? This is during commercial and he's getting everybody riled up. Everybody who's going out of control. He's cursing at them. He's standing on the top rope. I'm like, hey, you can't curse at kids like this. You can't have that kind of language. What's wrong with you, man? And I started to get mad at him. I started to get like a little, you know, fired up. And then the camera switches, right? The camera switches. And without breaking a beat, he starts throwing up the bird, you know, throwing the middle finger at people, making obscene gestures. And right when the camera goes back, he switches back into, you know, regular mode. And I'm like, wait a minute. He switched back into regular mode like the exact second the cameras went back on and commercial ended. I was like, this, what cue was he getting? Where did he get the cue from? Was he looking at the lights on the camera? Would he catch something from the referee what, what, or one of the announcers on the side of the stage? What the hell was that? And I'm looking around and everybody's just losing their minds. So you got to remember, he just riled the crowd up. He just riled the crowd up and now the camera is on him and everybody's yelling at Scott Steiner. I'm thinking, oh my God, he just hyped them up for the camera. And now that the camera's on him, everything is hyped around him. I was like, that was a masterful act of just riling people up. Huh. Okay. And as I said, the night kept going on and I kept seeing bits of the machine happen the way they were happening. I saw, you know, Lex Luger ran by, gave everybody a high five and what was funny is that dude was, he must've hurt his knee or something because he was limping. But nevertheless, when he was on camera and doing his thing, he was running out there full speed, smelled like Ben Gay and medicine and sweat, but he was out there doing his thing. And I was like, okay, hold on. There's a lot going on here that I really don't understand. Like a lot. One of the best nights of my life, um, Crazy, crazy experience. Went home, was so pumped up and excited. And the next time I turned on the TV to watch wrestling, I was like, okay, I need to figure out what this whole thing is about. And that's when I started looking into the behind the scenes, really starting to find out that these people were actors. Finding out that these people were, I shouldn't say actors. I sh I, finding out that these people were, they were jockeying for position at any given moment. Like you want to make a good match and get the people hyped up because that increases your stock. That increases your value within the wrestling organization and within the wrestling world. You can get more deals. You can get more play. 
you can get more excitement or whatever if the crowd is behind you. And speaking of Paul Orndorff, like, um, you know, Mr. Wonderful. Was that name Paul Orndorff or did I mess that up? Um, you know, speaking of him, Mr. Perfect, when he did the whole thing where he would spit his gum in the air and smack it into the crowd, nobody ever shows you what happens to the crowd when that piece of gum is flying at them. It's like every, it's like parting the Red Sea, man. It was, it was hilarious, <laughs> right? <laughs> They're like, oh God, that's a, that's a health hazard. You could pass on, you could, you could pass on a, a, a disease spitting gum like that. What's wrong with you, man? It was comedy. All right, yeah, it was Orndorff. All right. Orndorff. Orndorff, right. Thank you for that. But yeah, um, yeah, the whole thing was just a, a production on a level I hadn't seen before. And the idea that they do this 320 times a night, maybe not every wrestler, but the show goes on. And it's this, it's this traveling, moving, big, creative spectacle. It's, it's humorous. It's exciting. It's enthralling. It's... It's consistent. It's always pushing the edge. It tries things out. And I realized this is what creatives do. They try to build on all this stuff. And as a creative, you know, I'm usually around sitting down thinking about, what is it called? Um, I'm usually sitting around thinking about the product development itself. Like if I was a wrestler, I'd, I'd be totally thinking about how I do my flips, how I get fit, how I, you know, um, you know, take a, take a lump, how I land hard, how I jump out of the ring. I'd be thinking about all that kind of stuff. That was me before this. Then when I saw the machine in action, that's what sparked my mind to start thinking about all these other aspects. Like how you speak, can you control a crowd? Um, you know, we talk about the dark arts, right? In creativity, marketing, branding, sales. They're doing all of this at a masterful level. And, you know, it's, these are things that I had to stop and study. It's like, how did the marketing of this whole thing, let me start with the branding because that's closest to creatives. How did the branding of this thing work? Boom. You've got the WWE logo. You've got Thursday night thunder. It's, you know, alliteration in the title. It's just branded into you. Thunder and lightning is a big whole theme in the whole wrestling excitement kind of thing, energizing the audience. It's set up with all these characters. It's set up with all these logos, colors, identifying music. And I started really thinking about the branding of it. And this is, this is me in college, not doing my homework. Don't worry, I got good grades. But this is me not doing my homework and taking a deep dive into the whole world of wrestling and how they put these things together. How every, every wrestler has to go out there and put up a persona. They have to develop their brand, their idea, their slogans, their catchphrases. They have to talk in a certain way. They have to be good in front of the camera, not just physically, but they have to make a, a show, show of things. I started understanding why Hulk Hogan got over the way he did. Because even if the volume's off, if you watch Hulk Hogan wrestle, you can just kind of see him. You can see what's happening. When he takes a hit and swings his head a certain way, his hair flies, and like, oh, he got smacked. Or when he starts to get hype and balls up his fist and you know, bends his knees a little bit and starts to shake his head. You're like, oh, okay, he's getting hyped. This is the hype phase of Hulk Hogan. You could do this without the, without the audio. It's just, it just works. So that's the branding part of it. You know, where this brand, this idea, this perception is seared into your head. 
when you see red and yellow and see muscles, you kind of always think about Hulk Hogan, or at least anybody who was watching around that time did. You couldn't get away from it. They had the rock, you know, Randy Macho Man Savage had his glasses, once again, with the lightning on them. And it was always this whole crazy outfit that he had with his crazy hats. If you had a crazy hat on, you'd have like a Macho Man hat on. You know, Atomic Dog, you know, George Clinton. Every time that played, I would think about the Junkyard Dog. It got me hyped. And it was kind of an interesting play now that I think about it later on in life. You know, there were definitely aspects of a person being chained up and breaking loose and getting wild on people that the Junkyard Dog brought to it. So there was that. And as I said, all kinds of commentary going on in all these characters, but in a light, fun way. The branding side of it blew my mind. Yeah, like Pacing Pete says, um, you know, the Rocky Maivia bit wasn't getting over. So your brand's not working out. You got to adjust it and change it and keep being creative and do something new. And exactly, it's not just an individual brand. It's your personal brand. It's your brand as a type of wrestler. You know, are you a Lucha Libre? Are you one of the big guys, you know, a brawler? Are you, are you more of the slapstick kind of guy? Are you, a, you know, the muscle-bound guy? Are you trying to be the star? You can only have a few stars, I mean, really super mega stars in there. So do you want to try to play that role? Because you might just get smacked down, pun intended. You know, everybody talks about Steve Austin. What did he used to play? The, uh, he used to play the Iceman, and that's how he transitioned into Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was, what was he called, the Iceman or something like that? Before he was a, well, no, he had the other one. There was a, oh, God, now I can't remember his name. Steve Austin had another persona that was more lighthearted when he had the longer hair. Somebody tell me what that was. Anyway. But yes, aside from characters, you also had your feuds and factions that Paul mentions. You had your feuds and factions, right? So you had your who's fighting against who, who backstabs who, who's a friend of who's, who's in a group together. You always had weird groups like, it was, it was really funny. Way back in the day when you had the, it's like the, anybody who's not American got kind of lumped into a, a group. Those were the Russians, the Iranians, you know, <laughs> they had like the, uh, the militant black crew. <laughs> I mean, you can't help but laugh and be entertained by this. It's, it's comedy. And this continues to this day. I loved it. Yeah. Um. So you had all these feuds and factions and brands going on. That was the branding side of it. And I was so impressed by how well it worked. Like I could, if you, if you walk in a room and you've got a, a snake in a bag and you hold it up and you're, everybody's like, yeah, Jake the snake, ah, you know, ravishing Rick Rue. And it's just, these characters were great. Even going on into the, you know, future, um, generation X, you know, CM Punk. All these characters, it just kept going on. Kane and The Undertaker. Fast forward, what's the dude's name? Uh, oh, gosh. Is it the orange guy who puts his hands in his pocket? I mean, even that, that's a great little gimmick. Don't forget, yeah, I didn't forget about the Iron Sheik. I mentioned him way earlier. But yeah, it got me thinking. So then you get over to marketing, right? They're marketing this thing like, like crazy. People who don't like wrestling didn't hear much about wrestling, but people who liked wrestling, their target market, they heard about it. They knew how to get the word around. 
And they had this crazy, it, it was just a crazy process of getting information out to the right people. The, the more you dug, the more information you got. And when you got information, you were able to tell it to your friends. Like I'd go to the, I'd be at, you know, in college and everything. I'm like, hey, listen, I heard, uh, you're not going to believe this. Like, what is, uh, what is it? I heard, um, I heard they're going to jump sting. Who? NWO. Really? Yeah, they're going to try. They're going to jump sting tonight during this match. That, that's what I heard. That's what they're saying. I don't know if it's true or not. You're like, wait, what? What? Nah. What do they got to do with sting? They had nothing to do with him. Next thing you know, spray paint on the back. He's jumped. I mean, it's just like, hey, and you, you, if you were back in that era, you remember the rumors that were going around of who's going to switch to the NWO, how it was going to happen, you know, who was going to get beat up, was that person going to accept or not? It was a whole drama that kept you going. And we ended up being marketers for this whole soap opera. It was wild. And I respected it on that level. I'm like, they're writing this thing and setting it up in such a way that I can't help but be entertained. It was great. The Monday Night Wars. Yeah, it wasn't just, um, it wasn't just one, one group. It wasn't just the WWF, which it was back then before it turned to WWE. It was WWF and the NWO pretty much. And there was also, you know, the guys from, um, oh God, why can't I think of the name? Uh, you know, the, the crazy act where everybody was getting hurt with barbed wire and uh, ECW. I don't know why I couldn't remember the name ECW. Yeah, so that was another thing. Like a dude brought over a tape of, you know, ECW and he was, I was like, what is this? It's like, yeah, I got it. It's like that guy Raven that you were talking about. Yeah, he comes from ECW. I was like, hey, I heard something about that. You got something on it? He brought a videotape over. I was like, yeah, there's, there's this person, Justine, and there's this crazy guy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> who j jumps off the rafters. Uh, what was his name? Jack. Uh, yeah. It was um, Tommy Dreamer and all those characters. It was a whole thing. But yeah, the marketing, the whole business behind it. And this is honestly what kind of led me to a lot of how I think about creativity now. It's like, you know what? You can talk to your market. You can talk to your people. You can talk to your fans. You can build something that actually works for the people. And it's weird how it had the, its own little gateway of keeping people out. Sandman. Yes. New Jack. I was just sitting here calling him Jack. New Jack. As opposed to the old Jack. Crazy individuals, crazy stories. Uh, it was a whole thing. But this is what you have to, this is what you have to do when you're looking into something and finding out how is it connecting to people and how it's being so real, right? And when I say real, it's just connecting to people in real visceral ways. Like I am, I'm legitimately excited talking about it here. I'm kind of getting hyped up remembering all this stuff. And I'm having a ball just like looking at some of these comments on this Netflix WWE announcement. I don't know if you all have heard and read all the news, but once again, Netflix is getting WWE's Raw for 10 years. And it's going to be licensed to them. Uh, they've been trying to get into live events. They've been trying to get into sports. So sports entertainment seems like it's a good fit. Cable TV is dying anyway. Netflix is becoming the new cable TV. They're making loads of money. This should be awesome. And quite frankly, a lot of people from the whole Netflix crowd seem like they would be into WWE. Maybe that's just me. 
but yeah, uh, let's see. Oh, you didn't know that, Pete. Yeah, that just that just came out. That news. The whole uh, TKO Holdings ended up making that deal with um, TKO Holdings. They own a bunch of companies, uh, but they're into the sports entertainment thing, and they made this deal happen with Netflix. So we're making sure that we get Raw and wrestling to the new generation. So yeah, everybody's going nuts over this news, right? And of course, I, I, I have gotten to the point where I love the haters now. You should always love your haters because they re represent what you're doing right. So I'm, I just went to the New York Times and found some comments. Here's this dude from Oregon. The entertainment on Netflix is mostly fiction or fantasy, so this deal is a perfect match. Oh my gosh. The so-called matches with the predetermined outcomes. Anyone interested in these farcicles has the intelligence level of houseplants. My apologies to houseplants everywhere. That made me laugh. I was laughing at this. <laughs> it's like, come on. That's, this is funny. This is good stuff. If you can't, if you can't enjoy wrestling, I don't know what to say, man. I used to be, let me tell you, my mother was an opera singer. So I had to, I had to start learning like Italian in, in bits and pieces so I could understand kind of what was going on in some of these operas and it was enjoyable and it was fun. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, Hey, you know, it'd be awesome. It is. They kick that dude off stage and you're thinking, you know, the actors in an opera, they never go off the stage and into the audience. And I'm like, yeah, in wrestling, they go into the audience sometimes. If that guy went into the audience. This, this opera would be hella, hella nice. I mean, that would be intense if the guy just went into the audience. Oh, man, what would that happen? Or maybe you could have him fall into the... Maybe you could have him fall into the orchestra pit. Oh, man, that'd be crazy. You know, the tuba guy gets knocked over. And this is what I'm thinking as a kid, right? I mean, I'm thinking, oh, that'd be exciting. But, you know, opera guys are all uptight and everything, so no fun there. I mean, I, w I was surprised when I'd go to an opera and they'd have, you know, they'd, they'd sell Snickers once in a while. You know, it's like, okay, well, we'll sell... Candy, okay. Anyway, here, here's just another comment. $5 billion for something that I have absolutely no interest in and will never, ever watch. Yet, I get to pay for it as Netflix and the rest keep bumping up subscription prices. Blah, blah, blah. This guy goes on complaining for paragraphs. And I'm like, yo, why is this happening? Why is this getting such a visceral response from people who don't care about it? If somebody told me that you know, Real Housewives of whatever was playing. I'm like, okay, sure. You know, you guys who watch that, go do your thing. I'm okay, whatever. That's fine. I don't get upset at this kind of stuff. If someone's into it, at least take, you know what? If anything is causing this kind of reaction, good and bad, it's worth looking into creatively. If you're trying to create something and there's something you don't like, you should actually look into it to see what people who do like it like about it and what it is exactly that's causing you to dislike it. But yeah, um, you know, and as I said, yeah, thanks, Pete. Uh, Pete says, people are dumb. These are the least fun people ever. Yeah, they just, I learned this from my uncle, man. He was a very intelligent guy. He came over one day and he needed a break from all the intense stuff that he was working on. Um, he, he was dealing in, in shipping and orders and organization for these uh, factories. And he came home one night and started watching Tom and Jerry and was just laughing. And I was like, you know what? That guy's having fun. You know what? I could, I could not be serious all the time. 
I should have fun too. He watches Tom and Jerry as an old ass man. I'm going to be fine watching wrestling. We're good. But yeah, um, I don't know what people get out of being so angry and spending so much energy on uh, knocking some of this stuff. But yeah, these comments just go on and on. Ugh, I hate that some of my subscription money is going to pay support for this inter- quote unquote entertainment, blah, blah, blah. Uh, oh, here's another guy with an, a, a great quote. Steve Schaefer from Oakland, California says, wrestling, I watched wrestling when it was in black and white for five minutes. And what's funny is this, uh, that comment has recommendations on it. In the New York Times, whenever something gets enough recommendations, it like highlights it a little bit. Like, hey, people recommend this post. It's comedy. Anyway, I could go on and on with those comments. But, but yes, this, I, I, I think this was one of the, if not the most important realization that I needed to start understanding marketing, sales, branding, the whole presentation part of things, being a little bit more theatrical, maybe, um, making sure that my voice was heard, getting out there, doing things that are a little wild, a little crazy, a little fun, a little interesting. Hit them in the marketing, hit them in the branding, hit them in the sales. Hey, um, shout out to the the comments also if you got any questions throw them in there but yes that's how things went down and that to me is what makes wrestling real this whole machine is operating on a creative level that most people will never understand and i don't know i don't have any deep lessons in this podcast like i do in a lot of others except that it's just hella entertaining and it's hella fun Actually, you know, we actually saw, we actually went to see um, the live events twice, me and Theo. We actually drove one time to Biloxi, Alabama to see another live event. It was, we, we called it Age in the Cage because it was Macho Man versus Hulk Hogan in a cage. And they were, they were almost at the end of their wrestling years. And it was like, oh man, Age in the Cage, we got to see this. And it was crazy. We got to see what went on after the, you know... I don't know if you remember, but whenever they used to run overtime, so at the very end, everything's going crazy. Everything's going nuts. And they're like, I'm sorry, we're out of time. We got to cut. We got to go. This is, this is you know, blah, blah, blah for, you know, wrestling, World Wrestling Federation. This is great. Sorry. See you next week. Bye. And then it would fade out in the middle of this craziness going on. During the whole age, of, age in the cage era, which I called it, Everybody was fighting, going nuts, and it was starting to shut down. And you could tell because the, the referees and everything were jumping up and down. The announcers were standing up. They were all yelling. Everybody was getting hype for this crazy outro on TV. People started throwing stuff, and it just became this big, I don't know what to call it. Everybody was just waving their arms, throwing stuff, jumping up and down. That motherfucker's crazy, you know? running up and down in the aisles. Everybody was losing it. And the only thing I could think of was, man, this is a phenomenon. Call it lowbrow if you want. I call it a well-crafted creative experience. And listen, if I can come up with anything as electrifying as that whole phenomenon, I will be happy with my life. If I can get that many people together I will be happy if I can get that many minds into what I'm doing. I'll be happy. 
in fact, um, you know what, as I said, with the podcast, I'm trying to build it into something new, build it into a, something I, I do repeatedly. I still don't have a set time for it. I show up here every weeknight. Um, I want to come on here and, you know, just talk to people about what's going on. Not so much be a news show. I still want to do my creative analysis and breakdowns that you'll get nowhere else. I want to get my thoughtful input. Um, I'm learning about stuff as you're learning about it. So we'll talk about it together and we'll make it a thing. So the next phase of this I'm going to do is I'm going to actually build a community. So all the stuff will be archived. All, all the stuff will be, you know, laid out nicely in a community I'm building. You can check the links to the Creative Study Lounge. Those are going to be um, emails and information about that will get sent out soon. But that's what I'm building in 2024, the Creative Study Lounge. And getting people together, getting them hyped behind a purpose is what I'm fascinated with. So that's how I'm personally relating to wrestling and hope to take some of those lessons into what I'm building. If you don't like wrestling and you're concerned that I'm going to bring some wrestling nonsense into the Creative Study Lounge, too bad. Uh, we're going to be dropping elbows. We're going to be doing, um, you know, flying roundhouse kicks. We're going to be doing three-quarter presses. We're going to be doing full Nelsons, half Nelsons, shooting star splashes. We're going to be doing, uh, what else is there? We're going to be doing arm bars. <laughs> we're going to be doing DDTs, reverse DDTs. Hurricanranas. Yeah, we're going to bring it all to the Creative Study Lounge. That's awesome. And yes, and yes, I'm taking guests, Pete. I haven't started scheduling guests, but I'm going to be taking guests. So that's going to be it. As I said, I'm going to try to stick to about an hour for every one of these. Let's see. I haven't checked over on YouTube. What's going on over there? Nothing much. YouTube only gives me comments after I shut down the live. I don't know what that's about. All right, but shout out to everybody who came through. Paul, Pacing Pete. Somebody passed through and didn't say anything. Got to see who that is. Ricky, always good having you. And that's going to do it for this one. This is Mr. Benja with Creativity Threads Live. Find it on all your podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast. You can't find it on Stitcher anymore because Stitcher got shut down. They may still have the podcast app up, but I probably switched to something else before it gets shut down completely. Podbean. Overcast, CastBox, whatever. I'm actually curious. If you're not using Spotify or um, Apple Podcasts, what are you using right now anyway? Yeah, I'd like to know your podcast platform. Each of them has their own weird idiosyncrasies. Somebody actually told me they listen to podcasts through Audible, which is usually for audiobooks, but they've added podcasts now. So I need to go make sure I'm indexed properly on Amazon. Anyway, as I said, that's going to it, be it for this one. Appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a good one, people.